Today on Understanding Immigration, 9-11 and immigration. And of course, the Afghan refugee resettlement approach has brought in thousands of unvetted refugees from quite literally the highest ranked terror prone country in the world, according to many studies. We've already seen multiple instances where individuals were flown out of Afghanistan on these evacuation flights that had ties to terrorism. And that's not acceptable. In many ways, if you want to be undetected, it's much easier to just come in through the southern border, pretend that you're claiming asylum, and then just go to where you want to go. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. Hi there, and welcome back to episode 41 of FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. This is Matthew Tregesser, FAIR's Press Secretary, and joining me today is Spencer Raley from FAIR's Research Department and Preston Hennikins from FAIR's Lobbying Department. This month marks the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks that took the lives of nearly 3,000 people on American soil. It was undoubtedly the largest and deadliest terrorist attack in our nation's history. In the aftermath of 9-11, the federal government issued a security framework to protect the U.S. from another attack like this. Now, key parts of this framework address dangerous deficiencies in our immigration system, including securing and managing our borders, enforcing and administering immigration laws, and also preventing terrorism in general. But yet, 20 years later, many of these 9-11 Commission recommendations remain unimplemented. In many cases, the Biden administration has blatantly ignored these suggested and urgent reforms. You know, you look at the crisis at the southern border. You look at what it's done to interior immigration enforcement. It's virtually non-existent. And you look at how it has inadequately vetted Afghan refugees seeking resettlement in our country. All this is extremely worrying, to say the least. So today we'll be focusing this episode on the 9-11 attacks, how they happened through our immigration system, how the Biden admin continues to undermine the commission's recommendations, and what changes need to be made with our immigration policies to enhance our national security. So Spencer, let's start off with you. Obviously, this is a very tragic day in our nation's history, and uh, 19 terrorists hijacked four planes on this day by first obtaining visas into our country, a variety of them. Clearly, our government failed to effectively detect these harmful actors, and they should have never been allowed entry into our country, and they sh we should have been aware of them while they were in our country. So can you speak on how these terrorists were able to obtain these visas and perhaps also talk on how they were able to exploit our immigration system? Right. You know, they're really kind of two failures, like you mentioned, uh, on on this whole front. The first was, how did they get into our country in the first place? How, how did they, you know, integrate into society? How did they plan and carry out this this tragic event? And then, you know, how were they able to move around within our country? Why were they able to get on airplanes? Things like that. You know, all questions that need to be answered. That's why the 9-11 Commission uh, was formed to answer some of those questions. Now, of course, I don't want to make this a, a podcast praising the TSA because let's let's face it, the TSA is largely a joke. <laughs> study after study shows that you can get through you know almost anything you want through airport security without much trouble. And a lot of their other rules are just head-shakingly dumb. They're put there just to kind of give the guise of some sort of security so that people feel better about flying. However, there were some very common sense rules that were not in place prior to 9-11. You know, for example, people did not have to show a valid ID before flying. We didn't scan much luggage. And you could actually get all the way up to your gate. In some cases, people have gotten on planes already without even having a boarding pass. You know, they'd check some of that stuff after you were on the plane. So, you know, 
as much of a joke as the TSA was, there was a lot less security required to fly pre-TSA. And that was a big reason that these terrorists were able to get onto the plane. So that was one aspect, of course, that the 9-11 Commission was supposed to address, and they did to some degree. But an even bigger enabler for these terrorists was our lax immigration policies. For example, a number of these terrorists from that day uh, had overstayed their visas. And the main reason so many people are able to overstay their visa, and especially during that time period, is because we were really bad at ensuring people left the country when they were required. Now, to fix this, the 9-11 Commission recommended a biometric scanning system be put in place for both entry into the country and exit out of the country. And some of this has been put into place. Most airports have some sort of a biometric intake system. Some of them, but not nearly as many, have a biometric exit system. In fact, I believe at this point it's only about 29 airports and 11 seaports that have biometric exit scanning equipment and more than 120 have biometric entry. So there's still a lot of issues there. The Trump administration tried to make headway in implementing these biometric scanning technology into airports so that we could tell whenever someone left the country. You know, we had some sort of confirmation. And a lot of left-wing groups like the ACLU have been fighting that, saying it's a violation of privacy rights and so forth. And you know there might be some valid concerns with that as far as American citizens are concerned. There are a lot fewer when it comes to migrants who you know, are not entitled to those same subsect of rights that American citizens are entitled to, but even more so you know, in a system where we need to be able to ensure those that come into the country leave the country when they're supposed to, whether they're here on a uh, tourism uh, visa or they're here on business, student visa, something like that. We have to be able to ensure that they've left the country. Additionally, the feds aren't cracking down on those that do overstay their visas. Now, that's really concerning to me. You know, according to the latest DHS visa overstay report, more than 676,000 individuals stayed beyond the time frame allotted by their visa in fiscal year 2019. And today, the Biden administration is doing very little to pursue these uh, visa overstayers. In fact, almost all of them fall outside of the very narrow apprehension and deportation priorities Im- implemented by the Biden administration, which basically means we have no idea who specifically is overstaying their visas and what they're doing in this country. Concerningly, Another DHS report showed that nearly 18% of visa holders from Syria overstayed their visas. And again, this is after, this is like doing kind of a post-mortem on, hey, who overstayed our visas? We finally, a year or two or more later, tracked them down. We found that 18% of those from Syria overstayed their visas. And similarly, the overstay rates for Afghanistan, Somalia, and Sudan were all around 13%. And for Yemen, it was 29%. Wow. That's 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 a really troubling figure because all these are countries that have a history, both current and in the past, of developing and harboring terrorists, individuals that want to harm Western countries in the United States. And we're coming out with these reports months and years later saying, oh, yeah, they overstay their visas. We never even knew it. So what is going to stop an enemy of the United States from exploiting this loophole and from exploiting these weak immigration policies and, quite frankly, immigration policies that are becoming weaker by the day? Right. I mean, those are good points, Spencer. And, you know, a lot of this is just reflective of how inept and incompetent our government is or has been in the last 20 years or so. You know, it seemed like in many ways we had ways to prevent these attacks from happening, and we didn't. We couldn't. And... 
obviously this revealed true vulnerabilities within our immigration system, within our federal agencies. And, you know, we have to be able to track those who overstay their visas, whether they're harmful actors or just, you know, everyday people. Uh, you know, in some cases with uh, the 9-11 attacks, we had our government duplicating licenses for some of these terrorists mm -hmm. who um, were also, some of them were already on watch list. And yes. we get, you know, duplicating these licenses, total mess. And then, you know, we also, one thing which we can talk about a little bit more in depth is, you know, a lot of these federal agencies had information on these actors, CIA, FBI, they weren't effectively communicating this information with each other and they're withholding it. And, you know, we look back at these attacks and it's like, well, one agency had this uh, piece of crucial information on one guy and, and another agency had another piece of crucial uh, information. And so it's like, you, you can only imagine what would have happened if we had really a, a cohesive mm -hmm. communication strategy between these agencies. Now, Preston, you know, after 9-11, there was this bipartisan commission that met to discuss how to avoid future attacks like this, how to mitigate these national security risks. And it released a number of recommendations. Uh, I mentioned this briefly in the, in the beginning of the episode, but, you know, this includes items like securing and managing our, our borders, enforcing and administering immigration laws, um, preventing terrorism. I mean, all these mission areas seem pretty obvious, normal, something that any country would, should implement, should address. And yet, you know, 20 years later, a lot of these areas are still not being addressed. In some cases right now, the Biden administration is blatantly ignoring them, doing the complete opposite. Um, so can you talk about how the administration is going against these recommendations and not really fulfilling them right now in just under a year? Absolutely. And it's, again, important to stress that the 9-11 Commission had a huge, huge, huge section on immigration law and how our immigration system really left us vulnerable to these kinds of attacks. And so there were three aspects of the commission's findings that argued that we needed to enhance security and management of our borders, um, administer and enforce our immigration laws, and then use our immigration laws as a tool to prevent terrorism and enhance national security. So I'll go th through each of those really quickly before we move on to the discussion, um, particularly with how President Biden and his administration have really dropped the ball on all of these. And and I before we do get into this, I do want to say that it is not just the Biden administration, um, every administration, right, right. even including George Bush, who, who lived through this. Mm -hmm. uh, the immigration provisions really haven't been ever put into place. They, they very quickly focused on passing the Patriot Act and... Mm -hmm. Uh, consolidating all of the, you know, all these different agencies into the Department of Homeland Security. But after that, a lot of this was forgotten. Uh, mm -hmm. So so while I am going to fault the Biden administration for not following them today, we do have to acknowledge that the Bush administration failed at this. The sure. uh, Obama administration failed at this. Absolutely. And, and Trump, while Trump was certainly, I think, the best of those four in terms of trying to get some of this through, uh, he did, at the end of the day, fail in many of these respects. Right. Uh, he wasn't able to to push a lot of these through Congress. So um, this is a failure, really, of of four presidencies. Um, but the Biden, I mean, Biden was in the Senate when this happened. He, it's not like the 9/11 Commission is some new document to him. So, right. um, you know, when it comes to securing and managing our border, I think President Biden has clearly 
not only failed at this, but has actively worked against this. And he he stopped border wall construction under President Trump. He terminated the successful Remain in Mexico policy, which allowed us to hold asylum-seeking migrants in Mexico while their court cases occurred in the United States, preventing them from just wandering in the U.S. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. um, it, that allows us to get more information on who they are before they come to the U.S. and get work permits. Um, he ended asylum cooperation agreements with the Northern Triangle countries, which is really bizarre, in my opinion. Those were were going to be very helpful in in stopping illegal immigration to the U.S. and stopping um, people from undergoing this journey to come to the U.S. and to try and claim asylum when most of them won't get it. And you know, in the end, uh, and then and additionally, uh, under his policies and the policies of his Department of Homeland Security, they've released hundreds of thousands of unvetted migrants into the country. This has national security implications. This has health implications with COVID-19. Very, as we discussed with um, Representative Ronnie Jackson, you know, very few of these people are being tested for COVID. Um, almost none of them are vaccinated against COVID. There is a known hesitancy among that population group to get to get COVID vaccines and to wear masks. And the Biden administration has essentially done nothing, just wrapping that up, to, to secure our borders. They've done the complete opposite. Um, when it comes to administering and enforcing immigration laws, uh, unfortunately, Biden has been just as bad at that as he has been at um, securing the border. Uh, under current ICE policy, unless, so, unless an illegal alien entered the U.S. after November 1st, 2020, unless they're a terrorist or in, a terrorist threat or unless they've committed multiple violent felonies, ICE is not allowed to detain them and put them in removal proceedings. So think about that. Anyone that was here before November 1st, 2020, as long as you're not a terrorist and as long as you don't have violent felonies on your record, ICE cannot really do anything to, to detain you and arrest you. And that, that really handcuffs ICE um, that is the reason why uh, I think the Washington Post reported back in May that only ICE is averaging one arrest every two months. Think about that is This is one of our largest law enforcement mm-hmm. agencies in the country. They're in, half of their job is, is detaining and arresting um, migrants in the interior of the country who have no business being here. And they're and they're averaging one arrest every two months. That that That's is how joke. that is how much Biden's policies have crippled immigration enforcement in this country. And that's directly from the top. That's this is not some sort of uh, thing that has just come about. This is a direct initiative undertaken by Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and President Joe Biden to cripple immigration enforcement in this country. And this just goes back to the fact that we have some 14 million illegal aliens living in the United States that is growing every month as we see more as we see the apprehension numbers go up um, and and our government really does not know anything about these people the vast majority don't pose security risks that's clear a lot of them are here to just work but the events of 9/11 demonstrate that it only takes a handful of bad actors to lead to tragedy and we know for a fact that there are groups, uh, extremist groups, that have discussed using the southern border as a way right. to get people into the United States. 
particularly as airports have become more secure and there are you know there is more vetting at airports and it's harder for people to to catch a flight from yemen and get to the u.s and then plan a terrorist attack it's in many ways if you want to be undetected it's much easier to just come in through the southern border pretend that you're claiming asylum and then just go to where you want to go well and and that's why or that's how uh, this year so far there's been at least three or four individuals who are on the terror watch list arrested at the southern border i think a few are from yemen one from serbia and those are the only individuals that we have caught there are many more thousands uh, per month that we have no idea uh, how they're crossing the southern border illegally and the border patrol doesn't have the bandwidth to apprehend them so yeah that's that certainly presents uh risks yeah, and this that ties in nicely to the final point from the 9-11 Commission, which was using immigration laws to prevent terrorism and enhance national security. And that ties in. So you said we've had people that we've apprehended that are on the terror watch list. We know that because of their documentation, because they're known to law enforcement. But there's lots of people who could show up to the border or, or show up as a potential refugee and claim that they just don't have any documents. We're seeing that now with the people that we've um, flown out of Afghanistan. Um, it, you know, our, the Biden administration's handling of Afghan refugees was as poorly planned as the military evacuation. You know, we evacuated at least 60,000 Afghans to the U.S. It's likely higher. Only a fraction of these individuals are special immigrant visa holders who helped the U.S. military in some capacity. The rest are unknown individuals who just made it onto the into the airport before the evacuation deadline. And many of these people have, have no documentation at all. They have no identification at all. And what are we going to do? Are we going to... We closed our embassy. We closed our military bases there. We have no intelligence presence in the country. No. What are we going to do? Ask the Taliban, hey, we need, to, <laughs> we need to make sure that this person is who they say they are? Of course not. It's, so it's ridiculous to think that any of these people are going to be able to be vetted in the way that we probably need them to be. Uh, and and it's, it's just ridiculous that the Biden administration is claiming, well, we're going to, we're going to vet all these people and it's going to be thorough. It's going to be done the way that we do it for everybody. But if you just use critical thinking, that is impossible. Yeah. That, that is impossible to vet people without some sort of presence in the country, without some sort of ability to look at documents from Afghanistan, to engage with people that are still in Afghanistan and ask them about the people who are now in the U.S. on military bases or people who are currently going through the refugee processing uh, process. And, you know, d- despite these concerns, there's there's hundreds of thousands of Afghans now that are, are likely going to that are likely going to be here for those that don't get the SIV visa. They're going to either be paroled or. Biden could just issue TPS if he wanted to. Right. Uh, that's, I mean, completely within his right to do that, and there'd really be nothing that opponents of that could do to stop him. And so, all anyone, any Afghan that made it here is is here to stay. Uh, and and I, I think that simply wraps up the this idea that the Biden administration has completely ignored or gone against the spirit of any of these recommendations from the 9-11 Commission. Right, Preston. I mean, they've had obviously numerous opportunities to fulfill and address many of these 9-11 Commission findings and instead has done virtually the opposite. Um, the southern border is as porous as ever. Uh, we're having unvetted migrants from extracontinental and terror-prone nations arrive at our southern border. 
Uh, obviously, you mentioned the lax immigration enforcement. Uh, you know, now we're shielding dangerous criminal aliens from arrest and deportation. I mean, that is a major problem. And of course, the Afghan refugee resettlement approach has brought in thousands of unvetted refugees from quite literally the highest ranked terror prone country in the world, according to many studies. So this is all a bad combination, to say the least. Now, you know, maybe it's not so much doomsday yet. You know, there are still a number of opportunities and chances uh, that our country can meet a lot of the 9-11 Commission's recommendations, whether it's through more pressure on the Biden admin, I don't know, uh, through Congress, or maybe even the next administration, Republican or Democrat. You know, Spencer, what are some items that we would like to see that would help us mitigate or hopefully just prevent mm -hmm. any risk of a, a terror attack nine, like 9-11? Well, there are really several things we have to do. And first of all, we need to take those recommendations from the 9-11 Commission seriously. We have to finally implement, mandate, and strengthen real ID. Most states have implemented some form of it. A few more were in the process and, via co and through COVID, they delayed that uh, by year two. But even in that, even when you consider that, you're looking at many states that are giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. You know, the mm -hmm. documents that they're given can even get through some of the real ID system. So that's been blunted a little bit. So we have to strengthen, you know, the, the vetting system, even within real ID, just to make sure that those who have a document that will allow them to get on an airplane, to get on a train, to travel freely within the country, um, ensures that they are in the States legally, that they are not on any kind of terror watch list, don't have a history of any of these kind of acts, just to secure who can move about freely within the United States. The other thing, we mentioned this already, is we have to fully implement a biometric entry exit system. We have to track those that are in the United States, know that they are within the terms of their visa, and if they're not, we have to pursue them. We have to remove them, ensure that they leave. That's not happening right now. Um, so those are some of the... Um, legal immig immigrant systems. Preston's already talked a little bit about the need to vet those, especially the Afghanistan uh, situation, vet those refugees and even SIV applicants that are coming into the United States. We have already seen multiple instances where individuals were flown out of Afghanistan on these evacuation flights that had ties to terrorism. Mm -hmm. And that's not acceptable. And we already know that even comparing in Afghanistan to in Iraq, we talked about this in a previous podcast, it's a lot harder to vet people from Afghanistan. But instead of looking at that and saying, okay, we need to tighten up the process, we need to slow this whole thing down, we've actually removed a lot of the vetting requirements that we had for Iraqi SIV and uh, refugee applicants and are just letting these individuals into the country. I mean, this even goes beyond national security concerns. You know, right now we're looking at a potential national health issue mm. coming up with a number of the refugees that have come from Afghanistan testing positive for measles. And that's an extremely contagious and dangerous disease. Uh, thankfully, many people, most people in the United States uh, are immune to that. They're vaccinated, but there are many that aren't. Many of these, most of these migrants probably aren't, and now they're being held in close quarters. You're, the recipe is perfect for an outbreak in that you know, extent as well. So there's just a lot of risk uh, that could just very easily be mitigated with some of these common sense measures. The other thing we talked about that, needs, that we need to work on is the southern border. We need to continue to work on the border wall. You know, that, we have seen 
proven effects of that. You know, in the areas where Trump built the uh, built or improved the border wall, we saw that even prior to the Trump administration, the San Diego sector border wall, it was extremely effective, and it, it either deterred individuals to try to go through um, less favorable areas to illegal immigrate into the United States, such as the Arizona desert. It's a lot e- hard, easier to see people in a desert than in a forest or a mountain, <laughs> uh, or it just deterred them altogether. It makes it a lot easier on Border Patrol to do their job. Of course, we talked about the migrant protection protocols. The you know the Supreme Court has not uh, placed an injunction on that. Those need to be fully re-implemented to the degree that they were before in order to be effective. And you know, just so many other things that we need to we need to continue to work on as well. You know, we have to continue our uh, interior immigration enforcement. Let ICE do their job. If someone has overstayed a visa, they violated the terms of their visa. If they're a criminal. Let ICE arrest these individuals. Let's put them through the process and let's send them home. Uh, there is no reason why so- someone who is a foreign national should be allowed to stay in our country while they are committing crimes. It goes against every tenet of common sense. And finally, like you mentioned, Matthew, we have to start sharing information between states, you know, the federal government and states within uh, local jurisdictions. This whole instance of uh, you know, of, of even cities within states not sharing uh, information because one is a sanctuary city for illegal aliens and the other yeah. one's not, it, it's not good. You know, it's not good for enforcing state laws. It's definitely not good for enforcing uh, federal laws or ensuring our national security when you have cities that are actively protecting individuals for the sole reason that they are in the country illegally. Again, it makes no sense. It's dangerous. It's based on... Th- thoroughly debunked logic this whole idea that well they won't they won't report crimes or you know something of that sort is based on absolutely no there's no real data to back that up so these are just some things that quite frankly could be implemented today yeah you know many of these things it's perfectly within the delegated powers to the president to use his pen and say hey re-implementing fully re-implementing uh mpp let nice do their job in fact it's easier to argue that it is outside of the the presidential delegated authority to tell them they can't do some of these things. Mm-hmm. So the, it's not like these are going to take massive acts of Congress that can't get through, you know, a, a gridlocked uh, House or Senate in order to pass. These are simple measures, and there's really no excuse for not passing them. But here we are. Yeah, twenty years later, and still really. Uh, we're still, we still have a lot of deficiencies in these systems. And as you mentioned, I mean, there really are a number of ways to help reduce chances of another terror threat, a terror attack like 9-11. But I think it's also important to at least acknowledge that, you know, not all of our national security threats uh, will be mitigated or prevented by fixing our immigration system. And so, but starting here would obviously be the most effective, mm-hmm. practical, and literally one of the most inexpensive ways to reduce these risks. And, you know, without reversing course here, the administration poses really unacceptable risks of future attacks to our country. It, it's head-scratching, as we said. Like, why won't they – these don't take large efforts to implement a lot of these solutions that we've uh, mentioned here. Now, Preston, going back to you, I mean, have any of these recommendations been found in any recent legislation? Or are they kind of essentially been forgotten under, you know, the Biden administration's leadership? Have they pressured Congress to focus on other areas and – um, is it, you know, have these solutions taken really a, a back seat? Yeah, in, these solutions have definitely taken a back seat. They, for the most part, 
have been forgotten, but I, I wouldn't put the blame with the Biden administration. Again, these these recommendations have been published for for over you know two decades now. I mean, you know, not almost two decades about, but yeah. the the end of the Bush administration, they could have worked with with Congress to pass these. Obama, the Obama administration could have done this. Uh, the Trump administration could have done. So, it's it's not only Biden's fault that that these haven't been put in place, but uh, and it, it also it's almost an issue of inertia, right? An example of this is Real ID. This is something that is extremely uncontroversial. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is go to the DMV and essentially upgrade your driver's license or upgrade right. your ID. I just did it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, you just got it, and uh, it's but. This is something that has been that has been in the law that has been in the law for for years and years and years. But every time the deadline comes up, successive presidential administrations have extended the deadline for it. So now, for instance, the deadline has been kicked down the road until 2023. I'd be shocked if they don't extend it again because for whatever right. reason they just love you know it's almost like TPS right where you, it's what everyone else did before you. So when you're president, you're like, ah, oh, well, I, I guess I'll just do the same thing. Temporary, permanent. <laughs> yeah, and so even though real ID is on the books, unless you, unless you finally say, look, we are enforcing this, and you cannot get on an airplane without one of these, then then it's just a paper tiger, which is essentially what it is now. But um, there, there's there's in terms of legislation, there's obviously been legislation to address illegal immigration at the border. That's a that's a big topic. Right. It's a topic obviously that we discuss quite a bit. It's a topic that that people are are interested in, but you know, one of the one of the big issues isn't necessarily the border, although that is a big issue and we've discussed the national security concerns there, but one of the biggest issues are just visa overstays. And the way that ICE is set up right now is that they can't their their hands are tied in dealing with this. You know, we need to hire more ICE agents. We need to hire more immigration judges who can adjudicate these cases when they come through. We need to allow ICE to crack down on employers who are hiring people because sure. that's also a bit that's a big concern too is that it's it's a lot easier to to do a raid at a chicken plant and uh, you know arrest the owners of the chicken plant who hired all the illegal aliens, arrest all the illegal aliens and prosecute both of them for set for their di- respective crimes. Um, but ICE isn't doing that right now, so it, it's it's not an, an effective use of their resources. Um, the immigration courts obviously have a huge backlog, uh, so we need more immigration judges. Um, there, you know, and we 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 have to stop some of the, just like Spencer was saying, some of the simple common sense issues that we have. You know, we we should not be giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens or any kind of government issued ID. Yeah, I think it's it's 16 states plus DC now. Right, I mean, and so my this, God, there's there are there are there is a bill in the House and the Senate called the Stop Greenlighting Driver Licenses for Illegal Immigrants Act. Uh, in the House, it's got 17 co-sponsors. It was uh, introduced by Representative Ken Buck from Colorado, uh, and in the Senate, uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee introduced it with with seven co-sponsors. Uh, but again, these really aren't going to go anywhere because uh, we're, you know, Republicans don't have the White House. They don't have either chamber of Congress. But um, there, there are simple things that we can do to to be more in in line with the spirit and the letter of the 9/11 Commission. And I think it starts with with you know entry exit system, 
you know, empowering ICE more than they already are, cracking down on visa overstays, getting control of our border, uh, and hiring more immigration judges. Great points there, Preston. All right, I think that's a great place to end today. This was a fantastic discussion, and I hope our listeners have a better understanding of the 9-11 attacks and how it relates to a failed immigration and national security system. As a reminder, we'll be releasing a new episode of Understanding Immigration every other Monday. Our episodes are still available on most platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also visit our website to access these at fairus.org. And also, uh, you can view them on our Twitter page, at Fair Immigration. So please spread the word. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. And until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration presented by Ferry.